Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the second Napier podcast. Uh, today, I've uh, got Clive Over joining me. Clive is a experienced veteran of the uh, marketing industry in Silicon Valley who has recently joined Napier. So, Clive, welcome to the Napier podcast. Hi, Mike. Thank you. Great. Well, I, I guess the first thing I, I should ask you is, um, why did you decide to join Napier? Well, it's lovely to be talking with you. I am experienced with Napier over the last 30 years. Um, as Napier was uh, an agency that I worked with when I was a very young marketing graduate out of college. I went to Southampton University, uh, moved close to London. I got a job with IDT, and uh, at the time at IDT, Napier was our PR agency. So I very much cut my teeth on um, the uh, requirements of how PR was done in Europe and how PR sort of integrated itself into the rest of the marketing and sales function. And that's indeed actually where we met, Mike. So staying in touch with you has been a pleasure. And now having the opportunity to work with you and the team, now that I have some more experience under my belt in having worked in Silicon Valley, and travelled uh, extensively uh, about the world for various firms in our industry, in the, in the tech industry. Uh, I'm really excited to bring that experience to Napier and be based back in the United Kingdom, of course. Well, that's great. And um, although it did take me about 20 years to persuade you to, to work with <laughs> me, um, I'm, I'm delighted I've managed to do that in, in the end. So, um, you you actually moved across to um, America when you were working with IDT, is that right? Well, I did, yeah. I packed up 22 small white FedEx boxes and uh, left Balham, London, and went over to Santa Clara in uh, Silicon Valley into a corporate apartment for a couple of months. And then I found my way essentially through the valley. I lived in uh, Santa Clara, Menlo Park, Mountain View, and then ultimately up into San Francisco, which was a plan of mine to, to get to know the city and then you know, commute down into the, uh, into the valley for work. Um, so, yes, I, it was a, a really interesting experience because and I felt you know, I was working in a, in a small sales and marketing organization. I think we were responsible for about $100 million worth of business. Um, so sort of a smaller section of the of the global business that IDT was doing. And so our group was very together. I mean, uh, sales, marketing, uh, engineering, field engineering, uh, finance and HR are all on the same floor. So moving from that environment, you know, over to Silicon Valley, where I was going into sort of one of four buildings where you know, the marketing department itself had half a building. It was a real eye-opener to me and quite the learning experience, amazingly so. It was very, very different. Uh, sounds great. But, but you know, mm. after, what, 20 years in the Valley, you've decided to move back to Europe. Why, why mm. have you decided to come back? Well, and there, there are two two reasons, I think. One on the professional side is that I really want to bring my experience on the client side to to the agency side. 
and essentially um, represent an agency that's an expert in public relations and and business marketing, business to business marketing, and present that to a number of different clients. So to go for more of the variety of a healthy client mix and taking the approach from the agency perspective is something I've been hungry for and just waiting for the the right moment to find you know a good agency where I like the people, I very much like the accounts and see really good business opportunity um, to go ahead and do that. So that, that I think is the on the professional side. And on the personal side, I must admit that I am wanting to be a little bit closer to, to family and friends who've been coming to visit me over the last 20 years. So I have been to Alcatraz six or seven times. I have been to Death Valley a few times and also um, a few other spots uh, to, to name uh, one or a few of many. Um, but yeah, I think going back to Europe uh, is something I'm really keen to do. And I do have two small kiddies who I feel should certainly get uh, the European vibe before they're too big. Um, and so I'm really keen to take my holidays and, and you know, go see what England has to offer and also you know, uh, the rest of Europe. So I'm excited to do that for them. Oh, amazing. And, and uh, what, what do your daughters think about the move? Have they really understood what's involved yet? <laughs> it's funny. Someone asked me that yesterday. Um, so my seven-year-old is getting an idea of, you know, will she be able to make friends in England or will she, in fact, make friends ever again if she were to leave uh, you know, her school here in, uh, in, in Alameda, which is close to Oakland? Um, and I think so I'm tackling that as a question, very relevant question, but I'm sure we can fix that. Now, my four and a half year old is really just saying to me, well, Dad, so long as I get a bunk bed, I'll move wherever. So, <laughs> so she's already begun the process of negotiation and she's pretty spot on for a four and a half year old. I'm, I think she's going to be a, a very good negotiator in the years to come. That, that's scary. I've got visions of coming up against her as uh, a purchasing <laughs> agent, and I'm yeah, terrified right. already. <laughs> yes, indeed. Brilliant. I, it's really good that, that you know they're, they're thinking about it. Hopefully, they'll mm. they'll have a great time when they come across. Um, I mean, you, you saw some differences when you moved uh, from Europe to the US, but that was quite a while ago. I mean, what do you think are the biggest differences in the way um, you know marketing is done in Europe uh, compared with the US today? Well, so. I think one thing that hasn't changed, and then I'll, then I'll touch upon a couple of things that obviously have, but the one thing that hasn't, that is still an eye-opener for me, is that with smaller organizations, so uh, essentially um, I would say within the Asia-Pacific Rim and also Europe, for American organizations, because the individuals working in the firms are sitting closer together, is still... Um, I think helpful for marketing teams to get together and get the insights from sales and the insights from um, you know engineering as to some of the key problems that customers and clients are facing, and also some of the key applications that uh, that customers are addressing with uh, the solutions you know that, that they're building. And so, in doing that, you then find that the campaigns you run are often very effective 
uh, and also very relevant to, to the needs of the customer base. So I find that um, that I've seen when I've worked with organizations in Europe in the Asia Pacific Rim that that will often be the case, whereas in the United States, as the departments swell, it's really much more important to communicate and to find effective ways to communicate and ensure that everyone's on the same page because the campaigns are just bigger. You know, the target audience is bigger and sometimes budgets, well, very often budgets are bigger. So I think finding a balance between those two approaches um, is, is ultimately a key to doing really good marketing and communications. And, and so there are strengths on both sides. And I think, you know, individuals who are open to understanding, you know, where those strengths lie stand a really, really good chance of building some great campaigns, some really nice integrated marketing campaigns. Um, so I think that's one thing that still remains, I think, quite consistent for me over the years. Things that have changed, and I think it's, it's amazing what has gone on, you know, over the last 20 years, certainly for me. And in, in our trade, we've moved from sort of gut feel advertising uh, and, you know, handing over sales leads, um, you know, almost physically, you know, as, as piles of paper that were shifted around to this distribution network, you know, colleagues in Avnet, Arrow and such uh, receiving information from uh, from us. Um, has now moved obviously through to marketing automation and full-on um, you know, platforms that allow uh, companies to do better research, to do better um, you know, advertising, A-B testing, webinars, um, you know, online events, all the way through to the automation platforms that sit behind websites you know, that will uh, help from the awareness uh, through consideration, loyalty, and repeat you know, purchasing, all of that is is amazing to be able to use and and essentially show a business how marketing, uh, communications, public relations are really um, enhancing the business and affecting the business and adding value, which makes the the position of CMO you know far more um, you know powerful within an organisation. And I think in the United States, I've seen that go on and be very involved in building those campaigns and reporting on them. And um, that, I feel, you know, has changed just amazingly. And I think certainly what I've seen in the United States is that, you know, conversations are had around that, that and detail is presented. And so, you know, arguments can be won and lost and cases can be made very powerfully to invest more in campaigns because the company is going to see far more in uh, in business returns. So that that has changed phenomenally over the last few years that I've been here in Silicon Valley. And I suppose because there's such a concentration of companies and individuals, and it's amazing to drive around the 20 square miles of Silicon Valley, you see everyone. Every single company in tech is represented there. So you can bounce around, ask questions, be very connected. And uh, it's quite the environment to be in. It's extremely dynamic. Uh, That's really interesting. I mean, do do you think with, you know, modern communications now, that physical closeness is still as important? Well, so, so... So bearing in mind yeah, what, I, what I mentioned in terms of something I have, have seen not change so much over the years, I would say that 
And I'm actually happy to say that, that physical sort of one-to-one or one-to-many is still super important, even with the incredible tech of having, obviously, for example, you know, Zoom or Skype, um, allowing individuals to see one another as they communicate and really understand that you know the points they're making are sinking in i I do see the quality has gone up through the roof but all of that said there still seems i mean it's still really important to be able to get the human connection and ensure people meet with one another and engage creatively and there is more that can be achieved with people creatively than just relying on tech to do so, I would say. So, so that's interesting. You think that is that creative process that that really struggles remotely, whereas perhaps more functional. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps more functional cooperation is easier. Yes, I, I no, I, I would say you've um, summed it up exactly what I was uh, yeah, thinking. Yeah, I would agree. Interesting. That's a great point. That's 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 really good. Yeah. I'm. I, I mean, from my point of view, I, I, I think I'd like to take this opportunity because you've obviously been client-side for for many, many years. Mm. Um, I'm interested in your view of agencies. I mean, how, how valuable do you think agencies are, you know, and, and where do you think they, they add value and where do you think they make mistakes? So I would say that the key to any good relationship, particularly agency-client, is that both companies need to spend equal amounts of time understanding one another's business I think and uh, for a client to see an agency obviously make efforts to understand the business and get to know you know the, the various players within the client it is really important and I, and I think that the client can see that if an agency is doing so so a tip for a obviously agency folks would be that they have to make efforts to read around the subject, understand the company, understand the culture, understand the products, understand the markets, and then proactively go in with suggestions and do the work. On the client side, though, I believe a good client, you know, should take the time to understand um, a little bit about agency dynamics and and what it takes to pull together a team and keep that team engaged incentivized and and um and inspired because in doing so you you are managing personnel they might not be your direct reports but they are your personnel on on your dollar or on your pound or euro um so so i feel that certainly the the engagements i've had uh, on the client side have always been more fruitful if I've spent some time getting to know how an agency works um, and what the dyna- dynamics are lo- looking like. Um, for example, you know, billing and time management and understanding that makes for a really fruitful engagement. So I'd say that that sort of one observation from, you know, client side to, to agency and back again. Um, does, that, does that answer your question, Mike? Yeah, I, I think that that's that's fascinating. There, I mean, one of the things you said that I think agencies always struggle with is the idea of being proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're always, you know, we always like to think we're proactive and good at suggesting ideas, but equally, yeah. I think sometimes we're a little too worried about um, being seen to be pushing for more business. I mean, how would you yeah. say an agency should should overcome that concern about you know being seen to be selling all the time um, yeah. when they're making suggestions? 
Yeah. So I think that in terms of keeping an eye on the market and providing a level of insight as to what the agency sees that's going on right now, just as part and parcel of the overall relationship maintenance, I think that if a client sees notes coming through, you know, hey, did you see this? Oh, this is interesting. Or, oh, I heard so-and-so left this company and went somewhere else, particularly analysts, you know, moving around the valley or moving around the world. These kinds of little tidbits and insights really help the clients uh, essentially understand the marketplace they're in because, you know, they can't be everywhere all at once, particularly in tech, which moves a million miles an hour I mean, at, at amazing speeds. So those kinds of insights and help that just help an individual feel comfortable in the, in the job they're doing and help them, you know, essentially look good at the job they're doing or, or you know, help support them, you know, in, in, essentially showing that the work they're doing is adding value to their overarching business um, and the discussions they're having with colleagues, then if you build that relationship, then I, I sincerely believe that the business will come because ultimately um, I believe a client will say, oh, you know what, that was a good idea. Now I'm put, you know, piecing together how we could actually um, insert ourselves in this conversation or influence this area of a, a new vertical that we're going after. By the way, oh Napier, could you help me out, you know, in doing that or or any agency that supports its uh its um its client in a in a proactive way. And I think that's also fairly visible by a client. A client will be able to see that if an agency is is taking that approach. Cool, okay. Um I mean, another thing, again, picking your brain, really, if I look at um, the States, I mean, there certainly seems to be much less enthusiasm around trade publications, either in print or online, than there is in Europe. I, I mean, what lessons do you think Europe can learn from the US? And, and are we right, or, or is America right, and are trade publications becoming less relevant? Mm. I mean, naturally, over the last few years, publications across the business, so not just trade, but business too, have absolutely wrestled with the idea of how do we make money from online um, publications. And so you see the subscription model coming in, you know, a la Forbes or Wall Street Journal. And then when you, you know, that cascades down to the trades, you know, how do the trades wrestle with that? And then how do they balance also paid content, you know, advertorial against true editorial? I think it's okay for editors to get involved in the business of their publication to the degree where, I mean, the Americans would talk about church and state and that it's important to stay uh, unbiased. I actually feel that that magazines, if the editors are involved in the business and understand the business of the magazine, then they're going to end up, um, I think, being sensitive to where the magazine needs to go and be involved in decisions as to you know, which target audiences they need to go after and make themselves more relevant to, um, to their target audiences. They can't just sit back and say, well, we are the church, have PR people come to us and pitch us. So, so I feel that, that there was a, a little challenge there in terms of with that, that the siloed effect has actually impacted the trades quite, quite heavily, I feel. 
Um, so in, who, in terms of who does it best, I, I do still think it's a balance. You know, it's a balance of making money uh, plus just making this information available and knowing that if it's available, um, people will still come. You know, it can't all be gated. I, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, certainly historically and, and when you and I started, it was hard to get hold of information. So making yes. information available was, was simply the way to make money because that was inherently valuable. Yeah. Um, you differentiated making money from making information available. I think that's interesting. Can you just think, mm. expand on what you meant by that? Well, yes. So, so I think in terms of making the information available, we know that, I mean, publishing resources now are, are more and more helping uh, individuals do their jobs better. So per, certainly in our industry, the, the education medium is really, really important. So I feel that if publications do more education and move towards that model of, well, here's the information, we're, we're really going to make it available to you, educate you on it, help you with the work that you do. Um, then I think you know, uh, engineering and managing or management are going to come to those publications more often for those educational resources. So it's 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 really sort of spending one's valuable time in walking away not only with the information but also how to use it. I think is what I mean by making information available. And the business side of it has had to change in terms of well, it's not just about having people get this info and, and making money off it. We actually now need to, I mean, editorial, certainly there was spin going on with regards to how is this information interesting to you, the readers. But now I feel it's not only how is it interesting to you, but how can you learn from it and take the time that you spent reading this publication or this website and actually going back to work and being more successful at the job you do. Great. No, I, I, that, that's... That's really interesting, that tying the, the publication to making people who read the publication more successful. I think, yeah. I think if publications could do that, that, that would be an amazing um, yes. aim. Um, yes. And hopefully as, as, as PR professionals, our role will be to help those publications ultimately you know, support yeah. their readers. So Yes, great. I agree. Well, yeah. the, the plans are you're, you're working uh, with Napier, but staying uh, in Northern California until the end of March. Is that right? And then moving over at the start of April? Indeed, I am. It's all about uh, my kiddies and uh, them being able to move over during a, a school break. So, yes, that's, the timing is, uh, is around them. Uh, and, of course, I will be looking forward to go to Embedded World Nuremberg in February, for sure, and then moving uh, my family and beautiful little ones over to um, the UK in March. Yes. Amazing. I, I feel I should feel guilty about the fact that you're not coming to the Christmas party, but we're making uh, you go to Embedded World. But <laughs> Well, I've spoken to... Um, our wonderful HR manager, Debbie, and she's going to FaceTime me in so I can at least uh, have a drink with you and wear a, a Santa's hat. Although I'm going to be having a drink at about, I think it's going to be 11 in the morning whilst you are all around the Christmas tree at about 7. Yeah, but, but, but I feel that's kind of English to start drinking at 11, well, so uh, you're just, just getting into the European feel. 
<laughs> yeah, right. A little bit early, yeah, indeed. Well, it was great talking to you. It's, it's really good, and, and we're really looking forward to you um, moving across and, and working with you, you know, whilst you're, you're based in um, uh, San Francisco. Um, is there anything you feel I should have asked you that, that I haven't covered? Well, I think... Um, in terms of one thing that I'd like very much to bring to Napier that, that you know, I think about as, as I speak with you is that um, I have certainly, in the companies that I've worked for in the Valley, always taken um, uh, great efforts to try and integrate the public relations function into the supporting or, or complementary marketing function. So really the true definition of integrated marketing. And I'd have to give a, a shout out for two gentlemen, Buford Barr and Chuck Byers, who I spent many a day talking to uh, along the way at events and, uh, and other industry functions. And they both work at the, uh, the University of Santa Clara teaching integrated marketing to, um, to new students. Um, who are coming through, you know, learning about business and learning about, in, in their case, you know, marketing communications. So just a shout out to them. And um, I think what I'd very much like to do is bring sort of a lot of what I've learned there uh, in talking with uh, highly qualified gents like uh, Chuck and uh, uh, to bring that you know, with me to Napier and, and help, um, you know, train sort of new generations as well of, uh, of folks who are coming out of university to really tackle B2B marketing. Because when I did my Chartered Institute of Marketing uh, diploma in 96, um, there were 20 people in the class and only two of them were going into B2B. The rest were going in to work for Nike, Coke, and a number of other you know, consumer brands. And I think I mean, that's really changed now in terms of um, you know, the marketing function for B2B really having um, you know, a lot more understanding and support. So this is all stuff I'd like to you know, bring with me to, to Napier. And I'm really excited to do that. So uh, looking forward to working with you, Mike. Well, that's amazing. And you, you can also um, work. We've, we've got some great uh, younger people in uh, the company who've Indeed. joined us both as graduates and also as apprentices. So, um, you know, even prior to that, that, that are doing some great things. And I think you'd be yeah. you'd be really impressed in, 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 in once you see what they can do. So, yeah, that'd be great. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's Brilliant. exciting, Mike. Thank you. Thank you ever so much for your time, Clive. And um, obviously, if, if anyone wants to contact you, the easiest way is to go to the Napier website, uh, which is napierb2b.com. Um, and as I say, have a, a, a great you know, last quarter based over in California. And uh, we look forward to welcoming you back in, into Europe when the weather starts improving. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All thanks, best. Clive. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.